Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome. I hope everyone is doing well and you've had an awesome 4th of July and are breaking into July 2021 with your own fireworks. Uh, Today's show is going to be an exciting one and rich with deep exploration into consciousness and mind and human potential. Uh, It's a really beautiful book that we're discussing today uh, and about the life and insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce, who is an ama- who was an amazing man, had uh, incredible wisdom, and so much of it came from experience and contemplation and many of the principles that he spoke about. Uh, he talks about astonishing capacities and self-inflicted limitations, and this book is edited by Michael Mendeza. Michael Mendeza is an entrepreneur, author, educator, documentary filmmaker, and the founder of Touch the Future, a nonprofit learning center focused on optimizing human potential, beginning with the parent-child relationship. He had a deep friendship with Joseph Chilton Pierce, spanning nearly 30 years, and they co-authored The Magical Parent, Magical Child. Uh, He began um, his 25-year journey with Joseph Chilton Pierce uh, back in a room in the 1980s, and much of what transpired since then is based on the question, what does the gift of being human mean, and why are we barely scratching the surface of our true potential? So we're going to dive into this book entitled The Life and Insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce, where Michael explores seven books that... Joseph had written and some of the themes and questions and uh, philosophies that were shared through those books. Welcome, Michael, to 1111 Talk Radio. Yes, and thank you for the opportunity to kind of sing Joe's song. Uh, It is quite a a beautiful and and rich song. I'm familiar with some of his books, not all of them, and, and the book that you have edited and put together really does give a wonderful portrayal not only of his work and his burgeoning insight along the way that really is interconnected, but it it truly is the um, pathway of of what we are here to be human to uncover uh, that we're so much more than the body or the mind or what we think ourselves to be, that we are far beyond that. But it, it begins with something that Joseph said, which was, I own me. We have to own ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about what that statement meant to him? Well, that's a great, great uh, way to get into this because Joe was five years old or six years old when he said that. And it was in response to him being ripped out of his dream world of childhood, which was playing with nature and climbing the hills and getting up in the morning as a little kid, as a very young, you know, like I said, five, six years old, and he was up there on the hill and watched the sun come up, and, and he was in this rather ecstatic um, relationship with nature and with the miracle, true miracle, um, that every day is. And then they put him in school, and, and um, his first day of school was a nightmare for him, 
and um, he came back and and was uh, protesting again. I I told Joe that I didn't I didn't wake up and have enough uh, self awareness to kind of protest the way that he did at five until I was in my mid twenties. So he had this jump start, um, which I found truly truly astonishing. But he was uh, arguing. Um, you know, with his family saying, I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to go to school. And they said, you have to, you have to. And they said that if you don't go to school, um, you know, they're going to take mama and put her in jail. And at this five-year-old, this was a horrible thing. So he's, that's where that statement, I own myself came from. So that's, that's kind of the foundation where he, where he stood and it's resonant with his whole life. Um, you'll find that that, uh, that protest against what culture is doing to our innate human capacities um, is, is the crux of, of our failure to develop as, as nature intended. So that's where that story came from. Well, and I find it to be the golden thread that weaves through all of his books and ultimately what we are here to do, because until we can own ourselves and, and that Owning of self is not the personality or the identity. Uh, it is not the mask or this fabrication of self that came from our conditioning. But it is truly the essence that we are that is beyond all of what he says uh, are uh, contradictions and our conflictions that are inside of us that result as doubts and fears and um, behaviors and patterns that limit us that we have to go back to that essence that is super expansive and super conscious. Right. right. I, you know, this, uh, this notion of our identity is, uh, is one of my passions. And so I've been looking at this for decades and the, you know, we, we identify with culture. We identify with the prohibitions and the do this, don't do that. Um, you're a good person. You're not, uh, we accept you. You're rejected. This is all neocortical. This is all, um, basically an intellectual construct that then superimposes its limitations on our sensory and emotional system to look at the brain work that's involved. So, so, so you have this kind of clamping down, this ideological and uh, thought and so on and so forth, clamping down and literally sensory depriving the, the body and it's, it's ancient wisdom, it's billions of years of wisdom, um, you know, in the service of this construct, this cultural construct, which we transform into an, an identity. So the persona always was the mask, as you say. So we falsely identify with the mask in order to belong to and fit into culture. And what we sacrifice with that is our true identity, which is the miracle of nature itself. So that's, that's the trade-off, and it's not a good one. I, I agree with you, and I think that you know, starting off that conversation in regard to how his first day of school began uh, and then how he went into that, and it, it's something that happens to all of us at, at some age and stage. And you know, like you, you know, what he was able to have as a sense of self at age five, you know, I too, it was not until 20s, 30s, mid-30s that I could have attained that level of sense of, of self or ownership and and most of us and including myself are still attaining that sense of ownership but I find that the new children that are coming in now they have that they have that knowing that 
that same thing that he had at five. So I believe that he was quite a bit ahead of, of his time and foretelling uh, of, of the type of being that would come at some point. Do you like, see yeah. that in any of the children? Yeah, I, think or? I think that all kids always have come in with with that embodiment of this miraculous uh, potential. It's it's how how we are nurtured and how we are allowed to explore and to play with our environment. Are we safe enough to play with the world um, that that we find ourselves planted in? And uh, Joe, at the end of Magical Child, which was one of his major works, um, his big aha was the role of play. That play is nature's agenda or nature's strategy for optimum learning and performance at any age and at any stage. But this is we're referring to inquiry. We're looking at wonder. We're looking at child, the innate child curiosity and the freedom, the safety and freedom to reach out and explore and to test and to see how it works and so on and so forth. And as you find the what a colleague of mine called the domestication of childhood, um, you know, through the Middle Ages, all, all the way forward, if you come back from the, from the uh, Neolithic or, or hunter-gatherer period, uh, you know, children were planted in nature and, and they explored the water and the trees and the light, and they were basically like Joe was when he was in that, that five-year-old state of wonder. And that was that was our that's how we learned to be who we were. And then civilization came in, conquest came in, fear came in, this this domestication of the human being came in, which really took off post World War II um, exponentially. Um, and um, you know we're no longer safe to play, and uh, our sensory deprived in many ways. We we don't we don't relate to nature. Um, technology has come in to kind of replace this. Joe spoke a great deal about television when, because that was the milieu in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s that was the strong one, but now computers has taken over, as you know. So um, we, are, we are increasingly computerized, and, and this negates or cuts us off from our true nature um, with rather disastrous consequences. And this is the overarching theme was what he called this biocultural conflict, the conflict between our innate biology and culture, which is the ideas that we have or have framed, many of them crazy, but they become the, the, the dominant culture that, de- that defines who we think we are. Well, I love how you dive right into it, right in the introduction of the book. And there's a italicized portion which reads, one can accept one's death as already an accomplished fact of this instant moment, and so can be carried beyond that mind of the body and beyond the fear of death that lies in a different worldview. And there were instances, some may say mystical experiences that Joseph had where he transcended who he was in order to have some miraculous moments, some different types of experiences. And it goes back to that conversation about identity that you spoke of, that if we can step aside from that identity, then all of a sudden we are able to bend the laws of nature. Uh, We are able to have things happen that wouldn't otherwise happen. But we have to be completely out of that identity, which means all of the doubts, the fears, the, the constriction, 
anything that is causing conflict within in order to create uh, more power externally. Well, another, well, I'll go back to, <clears throat> I like play because it's kind of a happy metaphor. It's a positive metaphor instead of, you know, having to overcome fear, right? So safe enough to play is one thing. Overcoming fear is a compensation is a different thing. So I like play because it's a nice model. So in, in the state of authentic play or original play, which is different than cultural play, cultural play is winning and losing and being compared and judged and, you know, et cetera, like the football games. Original play is childlike wonder where, where they're touching and moving and, and exploring and, and seeing how, how high the stack of the, the blocks can go before they fall down. And falling down isn't a failure. Falling down is something to laugh about and to see if we can make it bigger the next time. So the difference between original play and wonder and cultural play and comparison and, and uh, competition are fundamental. So in the state of optimum play, of real play, original play, as it's been called, then complete attention. You're safe enough to give all of your attention without having to hold some attention back to defend against fear, against failure, et cetera, et cetera. So you're able to give all of your attention to play with the world, play with this moment. And, you know, we talk about athletes in the zone. And this theme, by the way, was the subject of the book that Joe and I collaborated on called Magical Parent, Magical Child. And so this authentic zone that, that, the, uh, that the athletes talk about is their ability to simply hit the ball, to be fully engaged, 100% engaged with every ounce of everything they have without holding anything back. Um, and that's where your, your uh, great athletes and great performers rise, you know, exponentially above even the professional great. I use the PGA as an example because this is something that we did some a lot of work with. But so you have the 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 regular golfers, the U and I golfers, and then you have the PGA, which is the professional level. But then you have you know the Tiger Woods or whoever these other performers are, the Michael Jordans in, in that era, um, performing at levels that are even you know in the stratosphere, even compared to the professional best. So that gives you some idea of what our of what our innate miraculous potential is and the intellect coming in to prejudge am i safe am i fear what happens if i miss etc cetera, etc cetera, that uh, imposition of the neocortical structure fear anxiety clamping down on our innate potential is is the is the the cr- the crash of the species or our self-inflicted limitations, as Joe's phrase, um, amazing capacities and self-inflicted limitra- limitations illustrate. So that's basically uh, where where Joe stepped in, and I'll just go on to the next issue, which is how did Joe experience this? And it, he was in his twenties, and he was in a in a bar, I think, someplace, smoking palm oils, talking with his buddies. Um, and, and a cigarette in his hand, he was so passionate about what he was talking about, but the, the cigarette in his hand was burning down to his fingers, and his buddy tapped him and said, hey, Joe, you're going to burn your fingers. And for some reason, unknowable reason, he said, no, it, fire can't burn me. And, and it did not. And he demonstrated that kind of brashly. He extinguished the cigarette on the palm of his hand, and it didn't burn, no scar. 
Um, then he lit up another one, punched on it, and put it out on his cheek. No burn, no scar. Um, he he did this several times to show off a little bit. But he, he slipped into what we might say a, a different reality where the where what you termed the laws of nature simply did not apply. And Joe Joe wrote his first book, which was called Crack in the Cosmic Egg, and the phrase that I love about the introduction to that book is that he said, a change in worldview changes the world viewed. And that fundamental change actually so the world viewed is what creates what we call the laws of nature. The laws of nature are a reflection of the, our view. And what he did is he slipped into a state where, where those limitations of that world view no longer applied, and literally the laws of nature didn't apply. And this opened him up to his, uh, his constant search uh, to define, well, if fire didn't burn, what else is possible? What else do we have inside of us that our cultural view is masking and hiding and not allowing to develop? Laws there will be, and the only breaking of them will be through that crack-forming procedure. What we will right. have loosed on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Theologians will grudgingly admit in a kind of sour grapes way that the scientists have discovered more of God's eternal secrets by which he built the universe, and the laws will be true ones of the only truth there can be. They will be universal. They will reflect the cosmic order. They will be the underpinnings of the very ground on which we stand. The level between our idea and the resultant fact will be difficult to assess, for the very ground from which the assessment must be attempted will be, then as of now, itself a product of the functioning of mirror in a question. William Blake says, the man who does not believe in miracles surely made it certain that he would never take part in one. New constructs are no more true than false, but matters of choice. This is from the book, The Life and Insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce, Astonishing Capacities and Self-Inflicted Limitations, edited by Michael Mendeza. An expert in child development, Joseph Chilton Pierce, who lived from 1926 to 2016, devoted his life to exploring the optimum development and astonishing capacities within each individual human being. Across his 12 visionary books and thousands of lectures, he blended cutting-edge science with spirituality and explored the amazing power of imagination for both children and adults, the space where we are able to play with our reality, inspiring millions to discover the human birthright of a more magical world. You can find out more about this book and a 10-week course that is going to be coming up in September where Michael takes individuals through this powerful book and some of the works of Joseph Chilton Pierce at ttfuture.org. That's ttfuture.org. We'll be right back with more of Michael Mendeza right after these messages. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 
111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. I'm talking about BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, and there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account at any time and send messages to your counselor. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, where you can get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. You know BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, and they're offering 1111 Radio listeners 10% off their first month. You can go to BetterHelp.com forward slash 11, spell out the word 11. You can even visit BetterHelp and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. 
In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Again, that special offer for 1111 radio listeners is 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 11. Spell out the word 11. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. That's betterhelp.com forward slash 11. Also, definitely check out 1111 Magazine. The newest issues are always up on the site. They're free. They're digital. You can read different pieces and get introduced to many different individuals doing their work in the world, along with the insights and the empowerment that comes from the articles. Man's mind is a mirror of the universe that mirrors man's mind. What a thing is to acknowledge extent determined or influenced by what we think it is, though the mirroring is subtle, random, and unfathomable. Joseph Chilton Pierce had, in his different books, completed the vision of the transcendent human potential, and Michael Mendeza explores seven of his most influential books, sharing insights and expertise from Pierce's full range of interests, from child development and conscious parenting to psychic phenomenon and altered states, to the power of the mind to shape reality. There's essential passages interwoven with Pierce's own commentary, drawn from personal conversations and unpublished material. This book shows how Joseph Chilton Pierce's key insights build across his books, breaking down core assumptions about reality and human potential. We see the importance of imagination and empathic nonverbal forms of wisdom, which have been long overshadowed to the peril of humanity by verbal intellectual skills and their abstract concepts and ideological perspectives. You can find out more about this book, The Life and Insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce, uh, edited by Michael Mendeza, by going to ttfuture.org, uh, going to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any place where books are sold. And also, if you go to ttfuture.org, you will start to see uh, the listing for a 10-week class on this book that is going to go through the material that Michael will be conducting as of September. So definitely check that out. Welcome back, Michael. As we move through this material uh, Joseph seemed to be an explorer of sorts. He really lived not only through the uh, inquiry, but through the experience. He would test things out. And one of the um, very powerful experiences after the Fireburn experience was in regard to his wife and uh, the illness and how he, quote-unquote, brainwashed her back into health. And so much of what we create in the world is dependent on our mind. It is how we see things and what we truly believe. So can you talk a little bit about how the shifting of the mind, such as in that example, uh, that allowed her to have a very quick recovery, um, can be possible when we not only step out of identity, but we step into that that cosmic, that crack in the cosmic egg that really does open us to any possibility. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you touched on, on this. Um, his first wife, Patty, um, had cancer and, and I forget, I think, I think there were some, his role model for this were some seven day advocates, um, that were, they came in a circle and, and they, they kind of, uh, you know, created this psychic envelope around the person to bring about wholeness and healing. And, and he, so he had a model of, of a possibility and, and that's what he did. So he, 
Caddy was um, in, I don't know, what we would call fourth stage of, of cancer. Had, she had lesions on her skin and so on and so forth, and, and by all rights was going, to, was going to pass. And he basically stayed up night and day for like two or three weeks, <clears throat> and, and she was semi-conscious, and he would read to her, he would read things out of the Bible. He would read inspirational things. He would just keep doing that, and, and he 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 mimicked that um, psychic envelope, if you want to call it that, um, with Patty. <clears throat> and then, interestingly enough, they were living in a in the house that he built in in Virginia, out in the woods, <clears throat> and he ran out of provisions, and he needed to go to the market. So he basically told Patty, you know, I'll be right back. So he left her. This was the only time that he had left her. Um, and when he came back uh, an hour later, <clears throat> Patty was standing up in the, in the middle of the, of the room in this ecstatic um, state. And Joe physically watched the remaining lesions on her skin disappear. And they took her back to the doctor, and she was proclaimed free of cancer. And they lived together for a couple of years later, um, at which point Patty became pregnant again, and the, the baby was, was not whole. It, was, it, it had problems. Um, and Patty refused to uh, abort. Um, and the stress of of her trying to bring forth this baby that was not whole, um, basically um, gave the cancer a new foothold, and this time she passed uh, as a result of that. So, but and 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 again with um, to follow up on the Patty story, after Patty had passed, um, within a, a week or days after that, um, she came back. And Joe saw her standing there um, over the, the crib where the baby was. Um, um, and he described being shivering cold and, and telling Patty that she needed to go away because being there, was it was freezing him. Um, um, she disappeared. And then the next day, apparently, the baby was at the mother's, Patty's mother's home. And she appeared, um, and Joe received a phone call from uh, Patty's mom, um, you know, hysterical that Patty was there um, in the room. Um, so he, he uses that as an illustration. He said, if a housewife has the capacity to do this, um, what about people, teachers like Jesus or Yogananda or other people who have who have um, experienced similar kinds of things. And uh, history is ripe with examples of, of this kind of phenomena. But here you go. This is a, another crack in the cosmic egg. So, And in the book, you... Yes, and, and in the book, he, you talk about, you know, there are different things that William Blake has said that, that he aligned with, or uh, there's... a segment uh, around Don Juan and Jesus where it says we are finally confronting the mirror of our true selves. We are that fate. We are in our own hands. And that they believe the materials of the world to be subject to the dramatic alteration and reorganization by an activity of the mind. So they are are those with whom we see those types of things take place, but 
but have placed them at such a pedestal that we don't allow, our minds don't allow us to believe that we are capable of the same things. And yet, I believe even that is changing just by media, by certain films, by certain television shows. They're starting to depict that these things, even that Jesus did, that he was an ordinary human that knew he was not an ordinary human, and that that's the place that we have to get to as well. Can you talk a little bit about some of the people that Joseph Tilton Pierce often looked at or looked to to confirm some of the ideologies that he was coming to? Well, that's a broad question. I, I, I want to go back to uh, identity, right? So basically, our cultural identity is a, you know, I'll use the electromagnetic spectrum as a good example. Now, we know that, we're, that we are sensitive to and being touched by and influenced by the full range of electromagnetic spectrum, and that the visual spectrum that we call sight or light is just a small little slice of that. So our identity as a cultural identity that we, our self-worldview, as Joe would phrase it, um, is that little slice what we might call the visual spectrum embedded in this much larger spectrum. But our true identity is actually the full spectrum. So we, we, we habitually, what we call reality is the visual spectrum, but that's, but that's a relative and small thing. So as we begin to experience these cracks in the cosmic egg, the cosmic egg, by the way, is a Vedic image or what Joe termed our self-worldview, or reality itself, what we perceive as reality. So when there's a crack in the cosmic egg, there's a crack in our reality construct, and potentials that have been excluded by our, by our limitations, self-imposed limitations, um, assumptions, I should say, assumptions and limitations, when there's a crack in that, then what we call miracles happen. But miracles are only miracles because of the uh, relative reality that we're looking through. They're actually quite normal. Um, so um, teachers such as Jesus and others, um, many others examples, um, are, are simply people who have a, a bigger view, a bigger view of what we actually are than the enculturated view that, we're, that most of us carry. So here's this interplay again between our innate biological potential miraculous potential, nearing the universe, um, and then the ideation that, that we have, which becomes this, this very small slice, this relative thing. So the, the hero's journey in that classic sense is to step out of our cultural identity and allow us to experience in this, in this openness um, what has been excluded. Um, and then, you know, what we might call miracles simply happen because they're happening all the time. So um, Joe was, was influenced by many people. He, he was brought up in a Christian um, context. Um, he was going to be an altar boy and so on and so forth. Um, he later um, was introduced to uh, an Eastern teacher named Muktananda, who came to the U.S. and was quite popular um, in the 70s and 80s, I think. Um, um, City Yoga was, was an influence. He traveled to India and studied um, in India uh, for t- over 12 years every summer with he and, he and his family 
meditating in these traditional ways. He was a deep fan and um, and met several times the physicist David Bohm. David Bohm was Einstein's protege and considered by Einstein the most likely person to carry forward what Einstein was working on. Um, I had the great privilege of knowing David for um, about 15 years uh, through my interactions with the teacher Krishnamurti. Um, so Joe and I would then, oh, and, and then, and there were other, other people he read. He was, he was really taken by the Don Juan series, um, the Castaneda series with Don Juan, which he wrote about in, in a number of his books. So he was looking for these, both science, both what was cutting edge science, plus biology, looking at biology and what we might say call spirituality. So Joe was constantly juggling and weaving um, his personal experience with the biological uh, the nature that we have, the spiritual nature that we have, and the scientific mind, and and working with those. And I and I right now I keep coming back to him as being a, a Leonardo da Vinci in contemporary terms because of this you know amazing visionary capacity that Joe had. So so to me. Joe is um, a, a truly a, a contemporary Renaissance man in uh, on par with uh, Da Vinci and others like him. Most definitely, and in in the book, uh, the life and insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce, uh, the third chapter, you go into the bond of power, which is all about meditation and wholeness, and it goes a bit into. Uh, some of the explorations that you talked about in regard to Muktananda and Siddhi Yoga and uh, how he moves towards some of the bridging of science and spirituality in that way. So let's talk a little bit about that because the bond of power is basically uh, uh, was Joe's way of framing at that point what he called the model imperative the model imperative. And Joe's explanation of that is that even though we have this vast innate symphony of potential, we have a full, like I said, the electromagnetic spectrum or the full keyboard of uh, of potential, um, we we only play certain notes. And we we play those notes that are modeled by our mentors, our model environment. So he said, of this vast potential, we only express, discover, and develop those capacities that are modeled in the environment. So, then again, that model can be the way that the water pours down the hill, or the rain, or the wind, or it can be our, our, our parents and culture. So, parents and culture represent a model, and they, it, they live in a certain reality, and that Piaget used the term unquestioned acceptance of the given. So the hallmark of the early child, again, early child being up to seven or eight, is unquestioned acceptance of the given. And the given is this model imperative. Now, if the model has a narrow view, a tiny view, a tiny slice, and that's their reality, then that's the reality that the child adopts at the exclusion or at the failure to develop all the other potentials that are not in that, that are not being modeled. So the model imperative um, and the bond of power, basically what Joe's saying is we need to seek out and have models 
that show us who we really are, not the ones that are impoverished and, uh, you know, limited and narrow and and, uh, just primary colors. We want all the colors, not just the primary colors. And we want to identify, we want that to be our reality. And we can only do that if it's modeled. And and I'm going to segue into into technology because technology, even though... I'm going to have you pause right there, Michael, for a commercial break. And we'll segue into technology when you get back. I am talking with Michael Mendeza, who has edited the book, The Life and Insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce, Astonishing Capacities and Self-Inflicted Limitations. Presenting Pierce's vision of human potential from the 1950s until the end of his life, this book shares Pierce's life-changing insights into why we have become what we are, contrasted with the miracle nature intends us to be, allowing each of us to break through our self-inflicted limitations and realize our amazing and magical potential. Michael Mendeza is an entrepreneur, author, educator, documentary filmmaker, and founder of Touch the Future, a nonprofit learning center focused on optimizing human potential beginning with the parent-child relationship. You can find out more about him at ttfuture.org, including a 10-week class that will be starting in September, going over this book, The Life and Insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce. That's ttfuture.org, and we'll be right back with more of Michael Mendeza. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. 
Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. The ability to rise and go beyond is the definition of transcendence and the subject explored throughout some of this book. While the force constitutes our nature and fires our spirit, an honest exploration of it must contend with this counter-question. Why with the history so rich in noble ideals and lofty philosophies that reach for the transcendent do we exhibit such abominable behaviors? Our violence toward ourselves and the planet is an issue that overshadows and makes a mockery of all our high aspirations. Neither our violence nor our transcendence is a moral or ethical matter of religion, but rather an issue of biology. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after we hear Michael continue that conversation in regard to technology that you were expounding on in the last segment. Go ahead, Michael. Sure. Well, also the quote that you're talking about ties into this. So basically... For 99% of, of uh, our biological existence as humans, um, nature, the, this broad spectrum, this, this vast uh, creative force called nature was our model. And then came um, culture. Culture arose, rose, and um, the ideas of culture began to become the model that we identified with and so on. So there's been a shift from our model imperative from um, our, our entangled connection and embodiment in nature to um, our role in culture. And obviously our role in culture is this tiny little slice compared to the vastness of, of creation itself. So our, our whole identity and reality has, has collapsed into this cultural um, drop in this vast ocean that we are uh, with rather disastrous results. And that's what Joe was referring to with our ideations, our ideas, our lofty ideas, and so on. All of those ideas are, are actually just very thin bubbles that are, flo- you know, kind of percolating up um, rather than, the, than creation itself. So we identify with these abstractions which are disembodied. And, and technology is fundamentally an outgrowth of our ideas, of our mental reality, of our concepts. So technology, and that means the digital world, that means both the images that we see on digital, the words that we hear that are digitized, um, the whole digital uh, phenomena um, is, is, an, is an extension of culture and not our true identity. And so now we have this explosion of technology exponentially getting bigger and bigger and bigger in addition to our contemporary or our traditional thoughts that we thought, which is culture. So we're, we're really faced with this exploding false identity that both thought and culture and now technology mirror back to us, which cut us off from our true identity and what these cracks in the cosmic egg that Joe talked about. So this is just looping back to the model imperative. Technology is now part of that model imperative that's looping back um, with rather catastrophic consequences. So our our real challenge is to, um, um, I will segue back into the Star Wars myth. Lucas did a great job. Um, The force that he talked about um, basically is our true identity in nature. That's the vastness. So use the force, Luke. He was zooming through this Death Star, which is technology, 
And then Obi-Wan Kenobi whispered, you know, you don't, you know, turn off the computer, use the force. So this is actually our, our salvation. We need to disengage ourselves from technology and from technocracy and what's going on in the world with that and, and discover our, our, our miraculous innate um, reality of who we really are. And that's, that's our great challenge that we're faced with today. That takes me back to the first section of the book that was under the magical child. I, I found it fascinating uh, reading about the second bonding, the yin and the yang. And, and it's written, uh, at the issue is the unbonded male child or the insufficiently bonded male. His need of bonding is biologically crucial and the biological structure resulting from insufficient bonding is a warped, non-natural biological organism the unbonded female might become neurotic and be unable to bond to her child properly, but the unbonded male goes very subtly mad. And it goes on to talk about uh, dominance and power, and it uses the word rape in, in, in regard to, yes, possibly women, but rape of our earth or in business or different types of things. And so this this biology that's within us, it's it's in a sense corrupt, but then later in the book, as, as we look at um, the biology of transcendence and then death and rebirth, even that corruption is, is part of the plan. It's, it's almost as if it's, it's there for a purpose as well. Can you talk a little bit about um, bridging the understanding of knowing there's a divine plan and trusting it in the midst of, of the, the duality that exists? Well, I'm I'm just launching reincarnating a project that that uh, was originated back in the 90s. It's called the betrayal of intimacy, and this deals with this the vulnerability of the male. Ashley Montague wrote a book called The Natural Superior Superiority of Women, where he went through the biology of the female biology compared to the male biology, and Joe speaks about this. You know, the male is in every respect inferior to the female biologically in terms of resilience. They die sooner. They have more suicide. There are more psychological problems. And and by every measure, the male is more vulnerable. And historically, um, in traditional, um, in, in, um, in, um, pre, you know, in our pre, pre literate cultures, it was understood that male children require more nurturing. Well, technological birth comes in, disempowers by by literally interfering with the natural ecstatic process of pregnancy and birth by coming in with these intellectual interventions and taking over and controlling and manipulating, all being male intellect driven. You disempower the female, you, you basically rip from her this experience that opens her up to her true power, which is to be creation, which is creation itself. And, and we take that away from her, which, which, which constricts and limits her capacity to nurture. And now you've got the male who's vulnerable, who goes crazy, basically, is what Joe was talking about. And, and that crazy expresses as violence. So there's a direct correlation between the collapse of nurturing um, the, the collapse of the female capacity to nurture, which this cultural overlay creates, uh, disempowerment, implicit disempowerment, and the increase in violence. 
and this is basically what I phrased years ago, the betrayal of intimacy. And, um, um, but now, um, thanks to Gabor Mate and, and there was a program that just came out this last week called the wisdom, the wisdom of trauma. Um, he has a, Gabor and other colleagues has a vision uh, that is much bigger than we had in the past. And he's creating an opportunity for this, for the culture to finally understand and embrace what Joe was talking about. So we're just launching that now. But this is, but this collapse of bonding. So first you bond with mom, her body, and the bonding and the whole way that human development unfolds is really based on pleasure and pain. If you think of it from an embodied standpoint, we are drawn to those things that are pleasurable. That is the model. And we, we retract, we, dis- we disassociate from those things that are painful. So if you look at that culture and how children are raised today, how much, how much safety and, and happiness and um, affectionate pleasure do they feel that's the that's the glue joe and i and a colleague named jim prescott wrote an essay years ago called pleasure is the glue that bonds human relationships so pleasure um, becomes a fundamental guide here to evaluate now you look at our punitive restrictive culture punishments uh, the you know in, at any rate you, you look at that if you look at our culture from a pleasure and pain standpoint we are way over on the pain scale. We are we have diminished the pleasure bonding scale. We're bonding to technology and to ID and to machines, not to nature, et cetera, et cetera. And violence against one another, uh, rape, you know, sexual violence and rape is a, is a natural consequent extension of this, as well as raping the planet, exploiting the planet, looking at nature and the natural environment as something to exploit, not something to uh, embrace and protect. So all of this is moving, is this shift of what Joe would call our self-worldview. And the breakdown of bonding or the failure to bond is at the root of the whole thing. Uh, It's very, very powerful information, and I do recommend anyone, if you have not seen The Wisdom of Trauma uh, that features Dr. Gabor Mate, I urge you to find it and be able to access that or some of this work. He is the face for so many people that have been doing this work around trauma. And I think a lot of what Joseph Pierce also says uh, is talking about that biology of trauma, too, that has come forward, as well as the biology of spirit that has come forward. But the another great piece in, in the bond of power was around the great vaccination. And we have just a couple of minutes left, but that seems like such a timely topic, <laughs> considering where we've been. So I'd love to hear you right. talk about the great, the true great vaccination that took place. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, basically, um, you know, Rudolf Steiner um, and I'm, I'm going to blow the quote, but Rudolf Steiner said they will finally find a vaccine that will that will that will inoculate people against true spiritual development. We will vaccinate against that. So much woven through Joe's work is that what we call, you know, he wrote a book called Death of Religion and Rebirth of Spirit, which is included in the in the volume that we did, and he was looking at how how the the true message that that Jesus was was trying to say and other people were trying to say were were taken and turned into a commodity by by Paul 
in the Bible, the biblical thing. So he created, but Jesus would never have created a church or an organization like that. Um, but the organization then corrupted the true message of Jesus and created the church, which is a rather diabolical twist on the whole affair. So that's the great vaccination, is, is the, how the church vaccinates us against discovering our true spiritual nature, our true nature. So the church steps in um, almost like a corporation and commoditizes um, our, our own unfoldment, and they prevent us from doing it and charge us, charge us to do it. So that's the great vaccination, um, which I, I love Joe's metaphor with that. It's, it was really lovely. Um, uh, and, and I would say that the same thing is actually happening with the vaccine business today. Um, when you look at the stats on vaccines, um, they, they now have new reports, three new studies that came out of, of unvaccinated kids and vaccinated kids. And uh, unvaccinated kids um, are healthier, stronger, more resilient. Um, 54% of, our, of today's children um, have chronic illnesses that, that only 12% had a, a few decades ago. So there's this, uh, uh, with the increase in vaccines, we've had this explosion in chronic ailments with children, um, et cetera, et cetera. And this is... I, ha- I hate to cut you thing. off, Michael. They are telling me yeah. that we are done with the show, and it is such a powerful conversation to have. I thank you for it. Definitely check out Michael Mendez's book, uh, The Life and Insights of Joseph Chilton Pierce. Go to ttfuture.org. Sign up for his 10-week class in September to be able to go through this material. And join me next week for another great episode with Norma Kamali as we talk about living the pleasurable and beautiful life at the age of 75 and beyond. Until next week, I am Simran. In love, of love, with love and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.